Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. I first started running about 15 years ago as a way to quit smoking. Back then, my running clothes were very Rocky Balboa, so sweatpants, sweatshirt, Anyone who goes hiking or trail running knows that it's a lot easier and a lot more fun when you're wearing the right gear. Jonji makes performance apparel that'll take you farther on your runs and hikes. They have this merino wool hoodie that I wore on multiple trail runs this weekend. It's soft, it's warm, and most importantly, it does not get stinky when you get stinky. Another reason to love Jonji is that they donate 2% of all sales towards clean water projects, raising nearly $1 million so far. Head to johnji.com to find your new favorite trail wear, outdoors accessories, and essentials. And use the code OUTSIDE for 10% off at johnji.com. That's J-A-N-J-I.com with the code OUTSIDE for 10% off. When I was a little kid, my whole family, grandparents included, packed into a Dodge Caravan and went on a two-week road trip to Wyoming. We saw the rodeo in Cody, a grizzly bear in Yellowstone National Park, and an epic thunderstorm near Devil's Tower. On that trip, I fell in love with the West and the natural world. This might sound cheesy, but it kind of made me who I am today. Wyoming has it all. Breathtaking hikes, kid-friendly museums, two of the coolest national parks in the country. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. A quick heads up before we begin, this episode contains a few swears. Previously on The Underdogs. Oh, shit. There we go. There was a conversation, and he said, Fleur will take care of it. And that was my stupidity. I let the dogs leave before I saw some money. Have you done that before? No. If you would like us to contact you, please send us an email. Like I'd get another email from Flora with some lame-ass excuse. And we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Thank you. Stop lying to me. I know you're lying to me. I've struggled to get you to consistently make payments to me. 2,800, 15, yeah. It's actually more than 30,000. Kurt swore to God that they loved them and would take good care of them and they'd all be home. And the person who was scheduled to get them came and picked them up the next day. I remember a few years ago, I was riding my bicycle across Wyoming's high desert. As I crested a hill, I saw a huge herd of black cattle moving across the highway. There were men on horseback following the herd, whistling and hooting. Not at the cattle, mind you, but at their dogs. Gray, mottled fur, athletic, 
pointy ears. The dogs were stalking the cows, rushing in and nipping at the heels of any stragglers. They were cattle dogs. That was their job. That's what they were literally born to do. For tens of thousands of years, this has been our relationship with dogs. They worked for us. The Blackfeet would use dogs to haul teepees across the Great Plains. Dalmatians snarled and bit at people, clearing streets so that horse-drawn fire engines could pass through. Even my own little Brittany Spaniel, Wallace, his ancestors were bred to help hunters find birds in northwestern France. They weren't pets. They were working animals. I bring this up because we don't see that as much anymore. But there are pockets of America where this relationship still exists. It's with those cowboys in Wyoming and with professional mushers in Alaska. All right. I need a shovel for this one, so why don't we send you this way to do some of these guys. These folks will tell you they love their animals just as much as anyone else. But that love looks a lot different than what pet owners are used to. Sled dogs don't go to dog parks or sleep at the foot of your bed every night. They aren't even house-trained. I mean, why would they be? They live outside. And all that's fine when you're outrunning them on the Iditarod Trail. Mushers aren't using doggy bags in the Alaskan tundra. But when you pack a team of huskies into a trailer, take them out of their element, and drive them more than 3,000 miles to Los Angeles, it's a different story. They were all covered in feces and urine. They smelled terrible. And we were like, oh my gosh. That's Amanda Hasnauer. She works at Jet Pets. It's a small family business near the Los Angeles International Airport that specializes in flying pets overseas. They do dogs, cats, horses. So they're used to dealing with animals. But in December 2021, an Iditarod veteran and professional musher named Kurt Pirano showed up at Amanda's doorstep with 15 Alaskan Huskies. And this was different. You know, when they initially come out of this truck, like it's not a giant like rig or anything. It's like these stacked little cubbies and all these dogs have been shoved in there all the way from Alaska. They were going insane. Like they were like jumping off of the ceiling. The Piranos were from New Zealand and they had flown dogs with jet pets before, but never this many and never with this little notice. Amanda had only found out Kurt was coming the day before when she got a call from his wife, Fleur. Um, I think it was the 1st of December. She called and she was like, hey, like, Kurt's in the valley and he has all the dogs. Like, what time can we drop him off tomorrow? And we're like, what are you talking about? Like, you haven't signed the contract. You haven't sent any payment. Like, we have nothing from you. Um, and she was like, well, what do you want me to do? It's hot. It was 70 degrees in the valley, which might not sound very hot, but it's a dramatic shift from winter in Alaska. These dogs are coming from negative, you know, 25, 40 degrees, like whatever. And then all of a sudden they're in these like this little hot truck, you know, cooking. And so it put like the heat under us and we were like, okay. It didn't seem right to say no, given the circumstances. But for Amanda, for the whole company, it was a risk. 
Shipping a bunch of dogs like this to New Zealand is expensive and time-consuming as hell. You have to find cargo space on commercial flights, make sure they're up to date on physical exams and vaccinations. There are tests that need to be certified by both the New Zealand and United States governments. The price tag for this particular job? Amanda had set it at about $127,000. Fleur kept telling us, she's like, you know, I'm good for it. You know, I'm good for it. You know, and so we were like, we know, but this is a lot of money, you know, just dangling in the air. So they made Fleur sign a contract and she agreed to pay a big chunk of the money up front. Let's see, the initial payment will be paid in full $82,585. Before Kurt left the dogs there, Fleur told Amanda that she had sent that payment through an international money transfer. She even sent over a receipt to prove it. This sounds familiar, right? It's like watching a magic trick over and over again. At first you're like, wait, how do they do that? Eventually you start watching the hands and the eyes, and soon you figure it out. So here's Kurt and Fleur's magic trick. They make you trust them, promise to pay big money for a favor, and then they disappear. Not completely. Occasionally they'll pop back in, make some excuses, string you along, maybe even pay for some of what they owe. But it's never enough. And that was about to happen to Jet Pets. We asked her on the phone. We asked her through email. We asked her several, several times. And it was just excuse after excuse after excuse. And so by the time February came, I was desperate. I'm Nate Hedgie, and welcome to Outside In Presents the underdogs. So far, we've taken you inside the guarded world of elite dog sled racing. We've told you the story of how Kurt and Fleur Pirano dumped their team of sled dogs with Alaskan musher Jody Bailey for nearly three years. How Jamie Nelson, a renowned dog breeder from Minnesota, says those dogs were never paid for in the first place. Today, we've got one story left to tell. The last chapter in the underdog saga. And we'll try one more time to get Kurt and Fleur Pirano on the record. See, there are cars here, so, so someone's clearly home. I'm just going to make my way up there shortly. This is episode three. You sell your soul. The first, I want to say week, was essentially like SEAL training hell week. Like, they had never been on anything other than a harness, it seemed, and they were just rip-roaring and ready to, like, run. The underdogs had spent nearly three years at Duclaw Kennel up in Alaska. They wouldn't get stuck in California for even half that long. But there's a big difference between a professional dog sled kennel and a transport company. We were taking each pair out for, you know, 20 minutes on leashes in a small yard. And we are being like on a sleigh ride, like dragged through the entire facility until we get to this place. Jet Pets is meant to be a temporary boarding space. 
There are no long and winding trails, no snow. And these dogs had spent their whole lives being chained outside or harnessed to a dog sled. Amanda couldn't even risk letting them off leash. We're having to keep them, you know, locked inside for hours on end, you know, waiting their turn to be able to go outside. And it really did something to them, each of them, mentally. The dogs weren't getting along. They were fighting, they were snapping at each other, and they weren't fixed. So the girls started going into heat. It was very interesting because it changes the behavior of the entire pack. Plus, it was hot out. The dogs were eating different food than they were used to. To a casual pet owner, they almost seemed feral. They had constant diarrhea. Like, Oof. it was just awful. And, like, they, they're they not like, oh, I went to the bathroom, let me, like, move over. They're like, oh, I went to the bathroom, let me, like, roll in it. Oh. And this is 15 dogs. And so it was just exhausting. Meanwhile, the pressure was on. Amanda and her team were trying to coordinate flights for the Huskies. They were gathering vaccination records and health certificates, calling airlines. Three of the dogs shipped out first. They were descendants of a legendary line of sled dogs owned by Lance Mackey. He was like the Michael Jordan of the Iditarod. He died last year, but his line of dogs is extremely valuable. And Kurt and Fleur wanted to breed them in New Zealand. The rest of the dogs would have to wait until late February or March to leave because their rabies test wasn't done in time. Not a huge problem, except that by this time, there was an issue with the money. The international money transfer Fleur swore she sent hadn't shown up in JetPet's account. They gave us this proof of transfer, but nothing ever came. Like she kept telling us that she had these meetings with the bank, but then she never gave us any information from the bank. And all we could do is keep asking. Fleur's excuses for not paying sounded eerily similar to the ones she used on Jody Bailey, the musher who cared for the underdogs for nearly three years. There were troubles with the bank. She was grieving because two of her dogs died. Kurt's father was sick. When she told me about Kurt's dad, I went crazy. Like I literally was like sleuthing the internet. Amanda went as far as looking up their family burial plot in New Zealand to see if Kurt's father was actually dead. Is he even alive now? You know, like, I went, like, nuts. Like, are you lying? Are you telling me the truth? But there's a big difference between Jet Pets and the other people the Piranos had messed around with before. Jet Pets was not a part of the mushing community. Their trust did not extend very far, and they're a small family-owned business. They just couldn't afford to float the Piranos. So within a few weeks of having the dogs, they set a deadline. February 14th, Valentine's Day. If they didn't receive any more payments by then, the dogs would be declared legally abandoned by California law, and jet pets would start finding them new homes. Amanda remembers sending them an email you know, just essentially begging her. I was just pleading with her. I was like, just come get them. You can have the dogs. Just pay us for the boarding. We don't, uh, like, we don't even care about the handling fee at this point. Just come get them. Like, they're your dogs. If you really want them, just take them. On Valentine's Day, they got a response. Fleur said the money was coming, that they had sold land to finance it. That, quote, these dogs mean the world to us and we have done everything we can to get them home. 
And then, radio silence. A week later, JetPets got a mysterious email from a man named Carrie. He said that Fleur and her son had been in a serious car accident on Valentine's Day, that they were in the hospital, and that's why they weren't able to pay. If they were in an accident, I am sorry that that happened to them, but um, but definitely I, I, I didn't buy it anymore, you know, and I just felt like this was another way to stall. It was beyond repair. Kurt later asked for another extension, but Jeff Pets had figured out the Piranha's magic trick, so they told him to contact their attorney. That was the last the company ever heard from the Piranos. We never got a phone call from a lawyer. We never got a phone call from them. No one ever showed up here to try to collect the dogs. That was it. For nearly three months, Amanda had never let the Huskies off-leash outside. They weren't hers. She couldn't risk them jumping the fence. But after the Piranos had disappeared... She said, fuck it. And we were like, these dogs need to run. This lady isn't coming. They're essentially our dogs. Let them freaking go. And that changed the game for them. Hi. How are you? Oh. Are you a good girl? It was like they'd been released from jail. They stopped fighting and started showing their own personalities. There was a spunky little black-coated girl named Scout who, turned out, loved playing fetch. Scout, do you want to chase the ball? I forgot I had it. Then there was Brig, who was a major cuddler. Yes, my lap buddy. My lap buddy! And who also didn't really listen. But this one is like Velcro. Yes, you are. The underdogs. These working dogs who had spent years living outside and running some of the most grueling races on Earth were slowly turning into pets. I ran out of treats. You guys ate all my treats. Yes, you did. Can we run? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go run. Come on. All these dogs needed new homes. Amanda didn't know where to start. So she sent an email to the woman whose name was all over their vet records from the past three years, Jody Bailey. And she had basically asked in the email if I could call her. And so I kind of dropped what I was doing. You want to go out, honey? All right. Like, I dropped what I was doing right then, and I called her. My name's Jody Bailey, and Amanda wants to talk to me about the New Zealand dogs. And the person on the other end of the phone went, Hi, I'm Amanda. How did you know that? Jody was the musher who had taken care of the underdogs for nearly three years. She's the one who had gotten strung along by the Piranos. They had owed her more than $30,000 in late fees before they settled up and took the dogs down to Los Angeles. I had thought I was out of it and I'd moved on and we were doing the things that were actually important to us and our dogs. Her and her husband, Dan, were days away from racing the 2022 Iditarod. She just didn't have the bandwidth to help, but she did have friends who could. So I had a pretty decent network that I could reach out to and say, all right, you guys aren't going to believe this, 
those bleep, 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 bleeping, mother bleeping, bleep, bleep, bleepers, abandoned the dogs in L.A. And everybody involved in it was just so incredible. A couple of former handlers at Jody's Kennel answered the call. They organized a Facebook campaign to find new homes for the underdogs. An animal rescue in Washington State volunteered to pay for flights. And over the next eight months, the Huskies started leaving jet pets. Brig and his best buddy Shield found a new home with a musher in Golden, Colorado. Summit went to a couple in Fairbanks, Alaska. And the leader of the underdogs, an eight-year-old girl named Ledge, she went to live with those two handlers who started the Facebook rehoming campaign. I actually got a chance to see her when I was up in Alaska. It was dinner time, and her new doggo parents, Jeff and Jen Fisher, were feeding her and the three other Alaskan huskies they own. Jeff and Jen had worked at Duclaw Kennel for a year. They helped take care of the underdogs, and they always had a soft spot for Ledge. Like, she's so polite, yeah. and she's so reserved. The only time she ever actually vocalizes is during dinner. And, and it's or, a very small vocalization. It's like, oh, and like just a little, like, oh. And yeah, it's, it's pretty endearing. Here's Jody Bailey again. I think that these dogs and this story really touched the people who were living with us and worked with them. Because they got to know the dogs and they got to see what it did to us, you know? And so I don't think, I don't think they were willing to let go of it. Like it is, it is, it's a really big, huge injustice. And I think that it would be important for the truth to be known. As of today, all of the dogs that were left in Los Angeles have found new homes. For them, this story is over. But what about Kurt and Fleur Pirano? The couple still owes Jet Pets more than $50,000 in boarding and handling fees. Um, we have thought about, you know, pursuing things legally in New Zealand, sending it to collections in New Zealand. We have, I think we're just so tired. <laughs> that we haven't gotten there. Meanwhile, all of the abandoned dogs, the Prano's entire U.S. racing team, are still featured on their website. There are pictures, cute little bios, and worst of all, links for people to personally sponsor some of the dogs. Let me say that again. They have pictures of dogs on their website that were declared legally abandoned, and the Pranos are asking for $500 apiece to sponsor some of these dogs. I don't even know what adjective I was when Jen and Jeff told me they were still getting sponsorship money for these dogs. And I've met people in New Zealand, and in New Zealand, nobody knows anything about this. And so over there, they're still rock stars. And our sport doesn't need fake rock stars. In the long run, that only hurts us more. Our sport is 
actively pushing to get people to understand that the people who run dogs, this is our life. We don't do things like this. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. I don't like Marvel movies, but I remember seeing Thor Ragnarok in theaters a few years ago. This is crazy. I don't want to hurt you. And it was pretty funny. I mean, like, it had Jeff Goldblum in it. This revolution has been a huge success. Yay us. Pat, pat on the back. That was also the movie that starred one of Kurt and Fleur Piranha's dogs. The dog's name was Dickens, and he played this big, bad wolf that attacks the Hulk. But looking back, I have no idea why the wolf was attacking the Hulk. He has zero personality in the movie. He's just a bad guy. That's how I feel about the Piranos right now. That they did a bunch of bad stuff, but I really have no idea who they are. I mean, yeah, I've heard their voices in interviews. Uh, yeah, Eagle Sub was uh, interesting. I've stalked them on Facebook. That's a great feeling being out here with the dogs. I know that they're both military veterans, that they have a young son who plays soccer, but they're still just these cardboard cutouts. I have no idea why they did what they did. And that question is gnawing at me. So over the past few months, I've been casting a dragnet. I've reached out to their friends, family, former handlers, people in the tiny New Zealand mushing community. And this is what I've learned. Competitive dog sledding takes money. Everyone has a side hustle. For Jody Bailey, 
It's catering for Jamie Nelson. It was driving a school bus. For Kurt Pirano, it was private security work. Kurt was a veteran of New Zealand's Special Forces. And after he left the military, he started working security for film productions in the Middle East and later for ExxonMobil in one of Iraq's biggest oil fields. So he was getting paid well, getting paid in US dollars for everything. So they, they had a very good income from that. That is Tony Turner. He's a recreational musher in New Zealand, and he used to be really good friends with the Pranos. We're talking barbecues, fishing trips with Fleur and her young son, Wyatt. Wyatt, for his fifth birthday, I put bloody Fleur, Kurt and Wyatt up in a helicopter. So, you know, you, you don't just do that for an, a non-ordinary friend. And for a while, everything seemed fine. Kurt Pirano ran the Iditarod four years in a row, from 2012 to 2015. He was building his reputation as a contender and building trust inside the North American mushing community. But a couple years later, Fleur started complaining about money. In 2017, she told a friend that she couldn't pay back a $4,000 loan right away because Kurt wasn't getting work. A year later, in the fall of 2018, Kurt picked up those nine dogs in Minnesota that musher Jamie Nelson says she was never paid for. And then, a few months after that, when Kurt was gearing up for the Yukon Quest in Alaska, Tony said Fleur was worried. Fleur was often saying, we can't afford to do this. We haven't got the money there. And I'm saying, if you're financially in the shit, what the hell are you doing? You know, if you can't afford to do it, why are you going to make it worse? Um, but obviously, you know, what I was saying wasn't worth another goat shit. But yeah, I knew then, prior to them going to that Yukon Quest, that they were financially strapped. This was right before they dropped off their dogs with Jody Bailey at Duclaw Kennel. I don't know if they were in debt, but if not in debt, close to it. Kurt brought two handlers with him to the United States that year. They were both pretty new to the sport and helped train his team in Minnesota. When I first got to know them, pretty lovely. Um, they were, we would have considered them good friends. That's Gemma Neve, one of the handlers. People sign up for this kind of job because it's an adventure. The sort of thing you tell stories about when you're older, like a study abroad or backpacking through Europe. They weren't even being paid. But the memory that stuck out to Gemma most was when they drove the dogs from Minnesota to Alaska. The part of the trip that I was probably looking forward to the most because I was so excited to drive through Canada and I thought this is going to be amazing and like going to see the, the Rockies or whatever, you know, like see these amazing things, the buffalo on the highway that you go through. And, like, you know, I was so excited and it was awful. It was honestly just the worst experience of my life probably. Gemma says that Kurt was awful to be around. Grumpy a micromanager. But during this trip to Alaska, they drove almost 24-7, stopping only to let the dogs out for food and water. They would take these shifts sleeping in the back seat of his pickup truck, no motels. It was almost like running the Iditarod, except Kurt wasn't chasing a championship trophy. He was chasing the cheapest gas he could find, filling up on canisters of it so they wouldn't have to pay for more expensive gas down the road. And when they finally got to Alaska, the truck broke down. And we're now stuck on the Denali Highway. There's no one around. It was quite late as well. Um, and he said, well, we're just going to sleep here and we'll try to get a tow truck in the morning. He was like, well, we'll all just try sleep in the truck. It was pretty cold. Um, then he, for some reason, got so irritated at us for something that we were doing or saying, and he ended up sleeping in the back. 
trying to sleep in the dog box in the back of a van. It was just like, and we were like, you're being so stupid right now. Like, we, it was just so ridiculous. And in the end, um, probably like nine o'clock at night or eight o'clock or something, he phoned it in and he called Fleur and she arranged somehow a pickup truck and we got picked up out of there and brought to a motel down the road. And that was sort of the grand finale of our experience with Kurt um, because he left the next day or, you know, very soon after um, to go back and we never then saw him again. That truck, it needed a brand new fuel pump, which can cost upwards of $1,000. The friend, Tony Turner, remembered getting a call from Fleur. She wasn't asking for money, but she was complaining. She was saying they were broke. They couldn't afford that new fuel pump. They should never have started that Yukon quest. Why were they in this financial pickle? Was Kurt working? Did you know, did you have any insight as to why, why they were suddenly financially strapped? Well, I often wondered over the years, like knowing what it cost to maintain a team to run Iditarod and the cost of actually getting to Iditarod, you know, like obviously it did have a good job, but maybe not as good as what I thought it was. And um, there's that old saying, you know, you sell your soul to Iditarod or the thousand mile races it's almost like they'd done that and you know the addiction of having to do the race whether it was right or wrong was always going to be there but yeah it just like prior to them going to the Yukon Quest in 219 things were changing they were definitely you know struggling to afford to do stuff you sell your soul to the Iditarod maybe that's what happens when we hear stories about bad mushers the ones that hurt their huskies the ones that dope their dogs or dope themselves. Anything to keep going. Anything to keep the dream alive. Now, nobody I've spoken with has accused the Piranos of physically abusing their dogs. Like I say, the dogs here, they have taken very good care of. You know, like, I, you can't be critical of that. But there are other ways to sell your soul to the long-distance races. I think the Piranos built their dream on a house of cards they could not afford. They kept spending money even as they were falling deeper into debt. Instead of facing reality, they played a shell game, borrowing cash and moving funds here and there in the hopes of covering up the truth. When Jody Bailey was waiting for payments for watching over the underdogs in Alaska, Kurt and Fleur spent more than $10,000 shipping a couple of other Huskies overseas. Tony said they also bought a brand new snowmobile for their touring business. He showed a picture of it to me on Facebook. I'm thinking, you owe a shit ton of money and you're buying a brand new snowmobile? These aren't just debts owed to Jody Bailey, Jamie Nelson, and Jet Pets. I found at least a dozen other people who say the Pranos owe them cash. There's the Australian woman who says she's owed more than $100,000 in unpaid business loans. An elderly Alaskan who said she was never paid for helping out with their sled dogs. And more than a dozen tourists said they never received refunds after the Piranos suddenly canceled their dog sledding trip. There was even a newspaper article about it. One customer on TripAdvisor wrote, I've spent three months trying to get my money back to no avail. Constant lies, excuses over emails about the bank, quote, rejecting the payment. In another review, Someone calls the Piranos scammers and thieves. Another thing I asked people about were the excuses. 
When Jody Bailey put her foot down and set a deadline for picking up the dogs, Fleur told Jody she was late in paying because she had just been diagnosed with a brain tumor and was in the hospital. That might actually be true, or at least half true anyways. Two people told me that Fleur was diagnosed with something called a pituitary tumor when she was younger. It's a pretty common and usually non-malignant brain tumor. That happened a long time ago. I do know that she'd been doing trips over to Dunedin Hospital for sinus issues and things like that, but nothing that laid her up in hospital for long periods of time that I was aware of. But what about that serious car accident? The one that hospitalized her and her young son Wyatt on Valentine's Day in 2022. The same day she was supposed to send the rest of the money to Jet Pets. Due to privacy laws, I can't pull hospital records, and I'm still waiting on a public records request from the local police department. But there's nothing in the local papers, and nobody I spoke with remembers hearing about a serious car accident. So she was, she was never in any car accident that you know of? No, no. Uh, so are, are you still friends with, with them now? No. It's like I've been wiped off the face of the planet. They um, were at a race last year. And they walked 20 feet past me, and I didn't even exist. So what, what happened? Um, I think I found out what was going on. And suddenly that became a very uncomfortable situation. And then when I actually found out that they had abandoned the dogs, I was really pissed off. I didn't really want to have a lot to do with them anyway. I just want to talk to Kurt and Fleur, to ask them, If all this financial trouble is actually true, why didn't you ever reach out for help? I had one last trick up my sleeve. Got it, Tim speaking. Hey, Tim. It's Nate Hedgie, that uh, public radio reporter in the U.S. How's it going? I got a hold of Tim Brown. He's a reporter for Radio New Zealand. They're like the Kiwi NPR. Interest in a rental. Timothy Brown has more. And I asked him for a huge favor. To drive out to Curtin Fleur's sprawling kennel in New Zealand's South Island and see if they'll talk. This is an old journalism technique known as doorstepping. It's where you show up unannounced and hope for the best. An ideal scenario, they invite me and they give me a cup of tea and, and I get you on the line to interview them. Yep, exactly. If they just spit a few words out before slamming a door in my face and just take the chance and ask what I can. Yep. Um, yep. And then, worst case scenario, we get nothing from them, but set the scene, get the audio of, of the door knock and them not being there, those kind of things. Yeah, exactly. There is a chance that they won't be home, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that's cool. I've, yeah, I've, I've done, a, done 101 door knocks, so seem to have done that. <laughs> All right. Awesome, Tim. Talk to you tomorrow. Brilliant. Talk to you. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. I'm just turning into what I understand to be Fleur and Kurt's residence. I now see their home in the distance. Yes, I, I now see kennels. There's, there's dogs everywhere. Um, yeah. At least a couple of dozen dogs out in the field near their home. 
a curious one dog's popped up onto this kennel to have a, to get a better view of my car driving by. And nearer to the home, there's, there's a few more kennels, just a, a handful in this case. See, there are cars here, so, so someone's clearly home, and there's some dogs sitting on the front porch. Just gonna make my way up there shortly. Kia ora, is it Fleur, is it? Yeah. Hi, my name's Tim Brown. I'm with Radio New Zealand and, and the Outside In podcast. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm just touching base with you because the, the guys from the podcast have a few questions for you and they've been trying to get in touch. And yeah, just yeah, one... no, we're not willing to talk to them. You're not willing to talk? No. You've got nothing to say? No. no. I, I just wondered if you'd be willing to, to even... No, I'm not going there because it's all lies, so I've just got nothing to go on. You don't, you don't accept any of, of what's been said? No, because a lot of it's untrue. The owing money and... Yeah, no, none of that, you especially don't... to Jodie Bailey. Okay. Yeah. Um, what, what, I mean, there's reviews online about the, the business. Where, where... Yeah, and a lot of those have all been sorted out. That but... was people giving us bank accounts where it was gone back to their credit card. Right. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. So you don't. So you don't. You don't owe any money currently. Is that? No. No. Okay. No. So those who are saying that you do, what? Is... No. Hey. I'm not going there. Okay. okay. <laughs> Alright. Okay. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Yeah. I'm sure you heard there, Fleur wasn't willing to engage on the question of, of, of money owed. Um, I asked what I could. She sent me on her way. She's now out on the, the porch watching me as I drive back down the driveway there. There is a, a man also on the porch. He appears to be dialing up on a on a phone at, at this time I'm not sure whether it's Kurt or not I can't confirm that um, but I'm now driving back down the uh, the dirt driveway back out towards the poplar line paddocks and down towards Roxburgh I don't know if you could catch that. What Fleur said was, it's all lies. In a way, the Piranos remind me of sled dogs. Sled dogs have incredible endurance. They can push past their limits, triumph over hardship. But that can also come at a cost. They often ignore pain. They can run through torn shoulders or sprained wrists. And if a musher isn't careful, the dog can push itself past the brink. That's why there are veterinarians at each checkpoint to make sure the dogs aren't masking pain. If they are, they'll pull them out of the race. Of course, the Piranos didn't just hurt themselves the way a sled dog might. They also hurt the people around them. 
I think Kurt and Fleur are people who don't know how to quit. They got themselves into this mess years ago and have been running the same race ever since. But nobody has been able to get them to throw in the towel, to acknowledge that the race is over. One thing I have wanted to know is whether the Piranos would be allowed to race if they ever entered the Iditarod again. So I reached out to the organizers. They didn't respond to my question and said they had, quote, no information or any knowledge about any of the accusations against Kurt and Fleur. The money owed, the abandoned dogs. Seems to me like that's a missed opportunity. I mean, I know the Iditarod is going through tough times. This year was the smallest race in its history. It's losing sponsorships. It's under scrutiny from powerful animal rights groups. The race doesn't need more bad press. But this isn't just a story about another bad musher. It's a story about people who put themselves on the line to take care of these dogs. People like Jody Bailey. A part of me, still like that little kid who wants life to be fair, it's not fair that they could do this to those dogs. I would have let it go, because I am a little afraid of backlash. I'm very afraid of backlash. You know, and there's, you know, this doesn't have to make it to the story, but there's total possibility with the amount of talking that I'm doing that you could edit this and make me look like a real asshole. You know, I know that. But I always said, and Jeff maybe told you the same story. Jeff's like, you need to out them. We need, the world needs to know these people are bad. And, you know, I, I would take a deep breath and, and I'm like, they are. And the world does. But I'm not going to tell my story until there's a happy ending. Because the really important part of my story is that there are still people who will do the right thing even when it's really shitty and other people are telling them not to. I wasn't going to talk about what happened here until I had done everything I could to make sure that there was a happy ending. Since this series first aired back in March, a couple of things have happened. The Piranos have updated their website. You can no longer sponsor their former U.S. racing team. In fact, all of those dogs have been totally removed from the website. The Piranos also changed their bio and now say they retired from racing in 2019. 
Outside Ins, The Underdogs was reported and produced by me, Nate Hedgie. It was edited and mixed by Taylor Quimby. Additional editing help from Jack Rodolico, Justine Paradise, Felix Poon, Jessica Hunt, and from our executive producer, Rebecca Lavoie. It's worth restating that this entire mini-series came from a tip I got from a friend of a friend. And in my many years as a journalist, I'd say that's where the best stories tend to come from. Somebody tipped me off. We always welcome your suggestions about topics we should cover on Outside In. And if you've got an especially shocking or important story that you think the world needs to hear, don't hesitate to reach out. Could wind up being our next big project. Shoot us an email at outsidein at nhpr.org, or you can leave us a voicemail at 1-844-GO-OTTER. I've got a ton of special thanks for this episode, mainly to all the folks who spoke to me off record. You know who you are. Thanks to Radio New Zealand, Tim Brown, and John Hartveld. Music in this episode from Blue Dot Sessions, Dylan Sitz, Joseph Begg, Hannah Lindgren, and Amaranth Cove. Graphics by Sarah Plord. The Outside In theme is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Outside In Presents the Underdogs is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio. you can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.